0: You know what time it is, no matter where you've been, so let's do it again. Listen up and let the sun shine and we've got soul training. Time to
1: practice what you preach. Ooh, yeah. Yes, we do, we've got soul
0: training.
1: Daniel and Joe, how are you?
0: Oh, we're just right. How about you?
1: I'm like the middle of the pillow. Just right. Cool. In the middle. No wrinkles. That's where I am. Uh, can't believe we're here together again. I say that all the time. but You
2: should start believing it at some point. I know, but yeah, I can't. It's been a
0: year now.
1: Because of, we're Over. Living, we're living a dream. You know, and I have to pinch myself. If I couldn't pinch you, you'd get mad at me. Take my mic away from me. Um this is uh, since you mentioned it's it's been a year which i think is awesome it's been a year for what it's been a year since we've been on the air we've been trying to make an impact move move the needle introduce others introduce some people to christ and strengthen not only our walk but other people's walk so we're going to talk a little bit just a little bit of reflection maybe but also think about um uh, we are, with saying that, been on the air for a year. We've gotten some great feedback, which, driving, which drives uh, our content a little bit and is driving our decisions to kind of address some things today.
2: Yeah, and we love it. It really makes our job easier coming up with topics if we have questions from our listeners. So, hope oh, if, if time allows, we're going to tackle two questions today.
1: So getting more bang for their buck if they tune in. That's awesome.
0: Which you know, as a a plug right here at the beginning, dear listener, we would love to have your uh, feedback, your questions, and thing uh, your your conversation about stuff we've already talked about or things you'd like to hear us talk about. Send us an email. We we want to hear about it.
1: And with that being said, Joe, do you want to introduce? kind of our big idea. <laughs> you're
2: going to let me introduce it after over a year? Okay. Yes.
1: Well, I mean, you know, it's uh, patience is a virtue, and we've wanted to see how patient you've been, and you're obviously very, very patient. <laughs> I
2: don't know about that. Okay. So we had a, a listener ask a question, and we're, we're going to answer the question, but go into kind of a broader topic. And that question is, this listener had a family member who was elderly, and the elderly member of the family... A faithful Christian, um is just getting to that point in their life where they know it's at the latter stages and they're wondering have they done enough, have they worked hard enough? They're scared that they haven't. Um and how, how do we how are we as soul training gonna respond to that to help this this person out?
1: First of all, I think to ask the question is to I always say to ask the question is to answer the question, but I think to ask the question is to also show concern. That's a good thing, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, obviously I appreciate that uh, that sweet you know, sister or that person asking that question, uh, which helps our podcast, uh, but also it shows concern that she has. So that tells me that if you're asking the right questions, then you're concerned, so good things will happen. So she's showing concern, and before Dan, you chime in. I think about, you know, one of the probably I think the most important question I think ever asked uh, in when in relation to humanity. If you go to Acts chapter two, we're all very familiar um, with the setting, and you think about Peter preaching the first sermon, and you think about people who were present uh, listening to him. Um, He's preaching to them about what happened to Christ, and he's preaching to them um, his death, his agony, his burial, his resurrection. Um, You know, he's preaching all of that. Um, That's the direction where the church is starting to grow and, and starting or beginning. But the question is asked in Acts chapter 2:36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, the the uh, question that we started with: obviously, that person knows what to do, lived a faithful life based on the information that we've been given, but I still like. This question, and I still like her question because she's concerned, so how can we help reassure her based on scripture
0: well the the fear is is a very common one uh, and it comes from you know, we have uh, passages like uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, that says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so we have the, these passages like this that tell us, hey, there's a judgment day coming, where we're going to have to give an answer, an account for the things that we did. And so it leads us to start thinking about, have I done enough? And... It can also, if we're not careful, lead us to start thinking that we are going to have to earn our salvation. That uh, you know, good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell, and it's just a simplistic way of of looking at that. Um, the The thing is, as if we were to continue reading there in Second Corinthians chapter five, we would come down to uh, a more encouraging verse nineteen that says namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Because of what Christ has done, it makes it possible for us not to have our trespasses counted against us. So in answer to her question, has she done enough? No, she hasn't done enough. And neither have I, neither of you, nobody has done enough, you know, Romans chapter three verse twenty three, you know, all have sinned and and fallen short of of the glory of God. That's it's it's a a final exam that we've all already failed. You know, we're we're not going to pass that, um, and our, our good deeds don't give us bragging rights. You know, in um, Luke chapter seventeen, uh, Jesus is telling this this parable, talking about uh slaves serving their their master and after they do everything the masters told them to do um you know does the the master owe them uh, thanks or do they just go on to the next task he says in verse 10 so you too when you do all the te- all the things that you were commanded you say we're unworthy slaves we've done only that which we ought to have done that's where you can put all the good things that we do it's only what we ought to have done we're not Able to pile up enough good stuff on the good side of the scale to outweigh our 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 sins, but the good news is we don't have to, we don't have to, uh, because if you go to uh, Romans chapter eight verse one, that, that's that's where it's all at. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. It's about being in Christ. For those that are in Christ, see they get to be judged based on Christ's deeds rather than uh, our own. And so, when we step up to that scale, then He's standing there. If we're in Christ, He's standing there in our stead, and He's we're, we're receiving the the judgment that uh, that would rightfully be due Him, which is is really really good. <laughs> um, so I think that ought to be really encouraging.
2: And that's that's one thing that sets Christianity apart from some of the other world religions like Hinduism yes. or um, Islam, where in Islam, you know, those folks believe that if I have done something special for the cause of Islam, I'll be rewarded better or more quickly. Hinduism, if you lived a good life, you'll be reincarnated as something better. Um, Christianity, we don't... No matter how good I am, we've talked about this a second ago, we can't earn heaven because we've all messed up somewhere. Right? It's our, we're already separated. We need somebody who, has, who hasn't messed up in Christ to bridge that gap for us.
0: Yeah, the way I say it is uh, you may be lost by your vice, but you can't be saved by, by your virtue.
2: There you go. Did you come up with that?
0: I did, actually. Oh, yeah. very
2: nice. Oh,
0: you. Awesome. Will, you say, will you say it one more time so I can write this We're down? We're going to put it on a T-shirt. Don't worry. <laughs> you may be lost by your vice, but you can't be saved by your virtue. Okay. I like that, Daniel. You? Um, and you're right. That's a thing that sets Christianity apart. You know, Christians, sometimes I hear people say that Christians are the best people in the world. Um. But, you know, that's, that's not actually objectively true if we're talking about just the most moral people. There are plenty of people that are outside of Christ in every religion, outside of religion altogether, that live virtuous uh, lives, that are, are very kind, very generous. Uh, They're
2: kind atheists.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, maybe uh, more so than the many Christians that, that you and I might know.
1: I'm not, And I want you to keep going. Now, yeah. I don't want to detract, but I heard— uh, and you would know these guys, but I'm not going to use their names— uh, but I heard two Bible professors at uh a school uh who when they went to get their <laughs> doctorate, uh that they uh got their undergraduate and, and graduate degrees at a what we would call a brother Secular school. No, a brotherhood school. A, bro- okay. a brotherhood school. But when they went to get their terminal degrees, uh, they went, they purposely chose to go to uh a secular slash denominational school, and both of those guys who were brothers in Christ and are part of our family told me that they were treated better at the secular school slash denominational schools really? than they were by at the brotherhood schools. they were more embraced and nurtured, and which really just shocked me and kind of for a minute, it made me sad and made me rethink how I need to do a better job of treating people. And yeah. I'm like, these and these guys are, are are plugged in. They're teaching. They're preaching. I mean, they're not just— No, but just, I don't uh, want to judge.
2: Yeah. You, yeah. On a couple of experiences, it's hard yeah. to say because we know folks, plenty of folks.
1: I was just trying to make the connection, like you say, even though they're kind of atheists. I think sometimes yeah. we get pigeonholed into only believing that— you know, only Christians, like Daniel said, are the best people. Or the,
0: I mean, we should be. Right, should yeah, be. we should be. Um, we striving but, to be anyhow. Yeah, so our, our salvation really ought to come from a place of humility that we don't think we're better than everybody else, and yet we're saved anyway. And We're saved not because of how good we are and how morally superior we are.
2: Because we have a Savior.
0: We're saved because we have a Savior, yeah, exactly. We're saved in spite of our weaknesses, um, and that's what we want to share uh, with people. And so a couple of things I think that we ought to make sure we include in this conversation as we get rolling here. One is one more item of, of encouragement that I would want to offer to to this listener. Uh, and then after that, uh, if, if we have this assurance, what's our motivation to do good? If we're saying that we're not saved by our good works, well, why do good works? Um, so first of all, let's look at First uh, John chapter 2 verse 1 and 2. There it says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. All right, so here you get this concept that if anyone sins, you know, we, we, ought to, we ought to not sin. We ought to try not to sin, but if we sin, when we sin, we have Jesus as our advocate. And so, I, you know, growing up, I sort of pictured him as, as our, our lawyer, and uh, in, in my younger days, I imagined him, uh, you know, what, 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 what's he doing as my lawyer? He's, he's laying uh, my, me on the mercy of the court and saying, you know, Father, I, I know he's messed up again, um, but you know, let's let's just give him another chance. Uh, let's let's just have a little more grace with him. Give him a break. I know he keeps messing up, but that's that's not really what a lawyer does. A lawyer lays out a legal defense, and he's make he he has a legal defense to offer on our behalf. And that was included in verse two that he himself is the uh, is the propitiation. That means he has paid that debt due for our sins, and so he can make the, the legal case before God, the Father, that, you know, Daniel has sinned. I've paid the penalty for Daniel's sin. It would be unjust for you to require that penalty again in Daniel's hand.
1: You know, and I heard a, a, a minister say from the pulpit recently that uh, Jesus, our advocate, our lawyer, only takes guilty clients.
0: Yeah, I, I heard somebody say that too. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. It was a preacher, uh, a preacher named Alan. Yeah, we'll put that on a T-shirt too. That's right. Yeah, well, that's it, a it was, one. It was a good. It good. We're going to run out of shirts. <laughs> but, <laughs> you got front and back, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll put them all on the same I
1: I didn't mean to do it. I didn't, I didn't. mean to do a shameless plug. I'm sorry. I just when you my ears picked up when you talked about Jesus. Our Advocate, our attorney, our lawyer—you know those kind of things—and that's that's the illustration. That I, I feel like that Joe and you and, and myself. I think we we strive to use those illustrations because yeah, it sure. makes a connection.
0: Uh, but my point here is he's not just throwing us on the on the mercy of the court. But there's a legitimate legal argument to be that we can stand with confidence that penalty has been paid if we're in Christ. And, and so our, our sister that's afraid of judgment, afraid, has she done enough? We can if, if we're confident we're in Christ, we can face death and the judgment with complete confidence, not because we're having to quiver and hope that God has mercy on us, but because our debt's been paid. We, if we're in Christ, have the right that Christ has earned for us. To her head. does that makes sense?
1: It makes great, perfect sense that we shouldn't. Of course, I know Joe. I can't remember uh, if he revealed the demographics of our caller, but we'll just say the are the, the elderly. Elderly, okay. Of uh, course, you know, uh, before we begin recording, you know, I, I identified all three of our ages just in us talking, and that 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 may not be as a big of a question. Her question is right now, but as we could live longer, hopefully, that it's going to weigh on all of us. So, I think that for me, I, I'm she's actually teaching. teaching. Teaching me by her question. She's teaching me to like that I need to do find. Now we keep using this phrase, do more. I guess I want to make the point, be more the most pleasing to God that I can be by, by strengthening my walk with Christ. And I use that example, I guess, from a spouse relationship, from a child relationship. You know, do you ever do enough for your spouse? Do you ever do enough for your kids? Probably not. But you, you it just it's its like a uh, love that never stops loving that you, you and I don't know if that would help this elderly caller. And I hope that it's something I'm going to count on one day, you know, when I'm older, if I can, somebody can connect me to a podcast when I'm, you know, in the nursing home or in my easy chair one day that. To, find, to remind myself of the reassurance that we have that, you know, success has no finish line and neither does the love that we have for our spouse, our family, our friend. And the love we have for Christ does not end because the love he has for us does not but end.
2: I, I get her question, sure. though, and I understand yeah. sure. why that would weigh on someone. Sure. Um, and and the, the, the truth is, none of us know when our time will come. No. Um, so we need to be doing the things we can right now for Christ, but
1: that's where she's teaching me.
2: Exactly, but you've mentioned what's the phrase you always say? There's no retired Christians, or
1: uh, let's see, I can't. If you, you can't find retired Christians in the dictionary, maybe I don't know. You're gonna get me in know. trouble. You're gonna get me in a lot of trouble, <laughs> Joe. Dano's already got me in a little trouble.
2: But the point is, no matter what our stage in life, there are things we can do. To help each other, there are things we can do to encourage each other. Um, you never want to say just pray for somebody because prayer is a powerful thing. And so, if you're unable to do certain things, um, hopefully we're we're able to to still pray for each other, and that's that's a big encouragement. If someone comes up to me and said, "Joe, I know you've had a hard time lately, and I have been praying for you," that that's a big encouragement, sure, big help.
1: Could. And and I don't uh, the only little I guess point I wanted to make too, is um, you know I guess twofold. I mean this person is elderly, is older, and like you said, probably can't get out and, and maybe maybe I don't know maybe can't attend services or, or maybe can't go to things to be edified and uplifted and all those things. Um, but yet we can also encourage her and that situation or others in her situation to read, to maybe reach out to the local, it's an opportunity for the local church, you know, reach out to someone that you know, to connect them, to call with them or to get on a, you know, connect them with the technology so they can participate in worship services. And and then from switching gears, the other point is to close the loop for me is like, Younger folks, if you've got somebody asking that question, then I should be asking that question now. What can I do? And and I found I wanted to share that it will be enough, and this is some an article that I found that I didn't write but someone else did, it will be enough when I love Jesus to the point that I put him before all other people and things, when I want to learn of him more than I want to learn of other subjects, when I want to praise the Lord more than I want to be entertained by TV shows, When I want to be with the church more than I want to be with strangers on a field or in a gym, then that's to answer the question when you ask the question. I think.
0: All right, Um, let's also um, bring Ephesians chapter two into this conversation. Ephesians chapter two, verse uh, verses eight through ten. There it says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith." and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as the result of works, so that no man may boast. You know, we talked a minute ago about how our good works don't earn us bragging rights. Uh, Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So we get in those three verses this important dual concept that we're not saved by our good works, but we are created to do good works. So in doing good, filling our lives with good works, we're we're fulfilling our our purpose in creation. And you know, any anything that, that you get when it's doing its designed purpose, that's when it's that's when it's
1: happiest. That, I like what you said that faith basically fuels us to work. Yeah, to, to do those works. Um, but go ahead. I like
0: them. Right. Well, it, it comes naturally. It's, you know, when when you recognize what Christ has done for you, when you uh, love Him, when you have a faith that is is a active faith, a saving type of faith, it's going to be filled with works. Works are going to be the evidence of that faith. And, and it's just going to flow forth naturally. You don't have to tell uh, people, well, you ought to do good things. They're going to want to do Good things when they had this type of faith based on what Christ has done and that
2: that could even be looked at as evangelism to some degree yeah as a as part of the great commission is if we're if we're going out doing good for other folks mm-hmm. and they see the light of Christ in us, that might spread the word somehow
0: right right I mean you go ahead. well the the motivation for our, our deeds. I think is really important. Jesus talks a lot about motivation. In the Sermon on the Mount, he's constantly talking about motivation and the reason we do things. Um, you know, when you're... We're all married. Uh, when your anniversary is coming up, if you give your wife uh, a gift and your motivation for giving that gift is, well, you know, as part of being married, uh, you're sort of... Socially expected to give a gift of some sort (laughs) to your uh, spouse for anniversaries, and here the calendar says our anniversary is coming up. I don't know how many years it's been, but anyway, here. Can you you take
1: what he's doing and kind of splice that? We can create something and send that to his his wife.
2: I'm going to do it before this episode releases. Wow, we're talking about good works
0: (laughs) and love here. I mean, why why would you want to? I just like uh, how you're saying, expressing yourself. I like it. It's kind of like he'd been thinking that for a while. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> if you were to approach it with that attitude, that's not going to be received very well by your spouse. But if you, you know, regardless of what the gift is, you can buy a really nice, expensive gift, but you present it like that, and they're, you know, that's not going to do much good for you. But if you present it because you're saying, hey, that's another Year that God has blessed me with you. This relationship is just so important to me. I, you're such a blessing in my life. I want you to know that I, I love you. I want to honor you with this this gift. You have that type of attitude, and the gift, same gift perhaps, is going to be received much much better. I've always heard it's the thought that counts. Well, yeah, it it is. Um, and the same is true in our service to, to Christ. If we're serving Christ, if we're doing good works just to check off a list, to try to build our case that, hey, I've done this for you, God, and this for you, God, and this for you, God, that's no good. But if we're doing our good works, if we're avoiding our, our vices because of what Christ has done for us, and we love Him and we want to please Him, just like we want to please our spouse, we want to make Him happy because of what He's done for us, that's going to—it's gonna. It's gonna there's going to be a lot more joy in the good things we do because we're going to be doing them out of out of love uh, instead of out of obligation. We're going to be happier doing it. We're going to do a better job of it. We're it's not going to be burdensome, um, and we're going to have a lot more security and less fear in what's going on. You know, the Bible says, "Perfect love casts out fear." We don't, we don't want to be facing uh, death with with fear. I
1: like the phrase that you just said. and I'd written down here. Out of we do we do. Out of love, not out of obligation, mm-hmm. and and this is I can't go back to what Joe's point uh, about the evangelism point real quick. James chapter two verse twenty six says, "For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead." Also, not that you're trying like you you know we there's been batted around so much in religion. Well, you're trying to work your way into heaven. You're just trying to work your well, no. Your our faith is fueling my work. That's what's pushing me. And if I could just use this real quick example, we had a, a I have a preacher friend of mine who early on in his he's younger now or older now rather he didn't go back he didn't go the other way but he's older now but he said when he first started out he had a really good job with his local post office he was a federal employee but he was also a growing Christian and he said the more I grew the more I realized how much work needed to be done. My love for Christ continued to grow. And he said, so I walked in and quit my job. He said, I quit my job at the local post office. This has been probably 30-plus years ago now. And uh, because I wanted to serve in the church, I wanted to serve Christ more. But he said what fueled him was not obligation but because of love.
2: Okay, well, (laughs) yeah, Alan dabbed for those that uh, (laughs) – Everybody except me and Daniel can't see him.
1: I still wish we could go live or something on Facebook Um, just once.
2: Maybe. Well, we're working on some things, or maybe that'll happen. Okay.
0: Okay. I'm sorry. No, they're dropping a teaser out there. Maybe. Yeah.
2: It's it's maybe a teaser. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Was there anything? Because we we do have one more thing we need to go over. Another listener question. I was going to.
1: I love these questions.
2: I know. Isn't it good? Because somebody's listening. At least two people. (laughs) Uh, is there anything else you want to say, Daniel? Uh, no, we can go into
0: the. Well, um, I, I
2: think to recap this question: one, you can't earn your way into heaven. Right. Two, no matter what your stage in life, there's still things you can do. Mm-hmm. Three, um, we don't ha- we don't have to do those works because we have someone that's done the work for us, and in Jesus, we have a Savior. What's a good four?
1: A good four for me, as I just, again, I go back to try to put my walk in that lady's shoes. You know, if you're 80 plus years old and you're just thinking, have I done enough? I would love to just look at her and say, you know, based on what I know, you have done enough and you're continuing and it's not over. You're still growing.
2: And if you've got a soft enough heart to be thinking of those things.
1: That tells me right. that that you have.
2: Right. Okay. Well, then we'll move on. We'll we'll shift gears for the last few minutes of this. And I'm just going to read the question, and then I'll read the answer. So the question is in regard to an episode we had uh, on grief with Ron and Don Williams back. Uh, how many episodes is that?
1: I can tell you what month it was. Was in it October? October.
2: October of 2021. Um
1: it was last year. Last year.
2: So if you need to go back and, and listen to that episode, I encourage you to do that. But this question stems from that. Uh, How do you help someone who has stalled in their grief journey? Maybe there's no such thing as stalling, but in my observations, sometimes a person is working through grief and then it's like, like they get stuck or they're holding on to the grief, like it's become a part of their identity. How can I be both compassionate while being helpful? And we reached out, Alan reached out to uh, Ron Williams and got it back. Man, this response was pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ron's, I'll just read his email word for word. Ron says, Alan, great to hear from you. Excellent question. I do believe it is possible for some people to waller in their grief or get stuck, as this person said. It is good the grieving person has begun to work on their grief. Congratulate them and tell them you're glad they have started. It's a positive reinforcement. At the same time, kindly point out to them that they are not moving now and ask what the caregiver can do to help them proceed. Now listen to their answer. If their answer is a problem the caregiver can help with, then do so. If their answer is one of self-pity or wallowing, then push back and remind them that they, the grieving person, is the only one that can help in that regard then do something none of us like to do, and that is just go away. Leave them alone for a period of time and let them see they need to move forward. This is not easy, but it's necessary. I suggest a week or so, depending on how how possible this is and how the relationship or closeness the grieving person and caregiver are in their lives. And he says, perhaps this will help, and if they need more help, they can reach back out to us. We'll get them in, t- in touch with the Williams boys, mm-hmm. and they'll help them. Take it away, guys.
0: <laughs> I think that was a great answer, yeah. and uh, and I can see how, how that can happen to somebody. Um, it, it might be a good time to remind our dear listener that uh, if you want have more questions about that, it would be a good idea to go back and listen to our episode that we did with Ron and Don Williams about grief. I thought that was a good episode. I, I just wanted
1: to, to share not to overrelate, but um I mean everybody's lost somebody or multiple people at once, but you know what I can relate to is I can remember when I was seventeen eighteen years old my when my father passed away I, for probably three or four years, I didn't want anybody else to be happy because I wasn't happy, you know, people would try to talk with me and stuff like that until finally there's people who just kind of left me to myself and then kind of light light the light went on, but people you know kind of backed away but never really. Like what Ron said. Yeah. They they backed away, that, but they didn't sail away. They just kind of mm-hmm. backed away. So I, I guess, you know, I, to support what he's saying is I would encourage people. And Ron and Don taught me this 10 years ago, that one of the best things we can do for someone is just be there. Just be present. You don't have to be uh, a conversationalist. You don't have to be a fixer necessarily. Mm-hmm. No. Just be a listener.
2: And that's the whole fixing thing is tough. <laughs> well, anybody that knows me or my family – we like to problem solve, and sometimes you don't need to be – you just need to be visible, be somebody there to put your arm around them, tell them you love them, and go through the journey if they need you. You don't have to fix their problem necessarily.
1: You don't have to be a fixer. You just have to be maybe a, a fixture.
2: <laughs> That's not bad.
1: In their life yeah. when they need you.
2: That's a top five T-shirt from this episode.
0: Well, these. <laughs> <laughs> we need to open up a an online store or something with with uh, Soul Training merch.
2: Okay. Well, Daniel, that's pretty much our time. You want you right, to take it away? It.
0: I want to thank you, Big Show Joe, and uh, thank you, Alan, uh, for, you know, I've really enjoyed doing this with you guys uh, and been getting some good feedback uh, lately. Uh, I hope uh, people are being blessed by it. Do we look at year older? Um, you guys well, do. no, I mean, but my eyesight's getting worse, you know, <laughs> okay. so. and I can't hear like I used to. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but thank you, dear listener, for letting us be a part of your day and your spiritual journey. And we hope that uh, uh, that you'll reach out to us and give us a five star rating, share it with your friends, and we want to uh, thank the elders at the South Green Street Church of Christ for making this possible. And until next time, keep soul training. Oh. To learn more, you can email us at soultrainingpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can write to us. P.O. Box 503, Glasgow, Kentucky,
1: 42142. That's Soul Training.